0: Oh my gosh. The message today is called My Dark Valleys. My Dark Valleys. Now uh, before I start, I want to let you know that um, I preached this message about five years ago at Word of Truth. But if there was ever a season that we needed to know how to handle dark valleys, it is this one. And so we're going to continue in our series on God's Got This about dark valleys because that's what David talks about next when it comes to um, Psalm 23. You know, somebody said just the other day, we're only halfway through 2020. And I thought to myself, are you kidding me right now? Like it feels like it's one long dark valley that we've been going through. But Today, God is going to teach us how to deal with our valleys. Amen? Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for today and for this word. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd wear me like a glove. That, Father, You would be the substance of everything that's said. That we would hear Your voice beyond my own. That, Father, we would understand Your will, Your purpose, Your way for us to face the valleys in our lives. Because right now, Lord, we feel like we are going through a long, dark valley. Help us, Lord. Show us Your way. In Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. Listen, Psalm 23, verse 4 says, Yay! Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Listen, I want to let you understand something, that valleys are a natural part of life. In fact, there's an old proverb that says this, from uh, an, an old Arab proverb that says, All sunshine and no rain make a desert. Hello we going to have some rain in our lives. It can't be sunshine. We can't be living in sunshine uh, 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 all our lives. That's not what's going to happen. We go through difficulty. And the truth is that maturity is made with the hammer and chisel and sandpaper of time and pressure and resistance. It's difficult situations and difficult people that grow us up. Nobody grows in comfort. Amen. May I talk to any bodybuilder? Man, you cannot grow muscles in comfort. You cannot grow muscles on hamburgers. Come on now. You have to put it under some pressure. Pressure. You have to go through some hard things. But how we respond when the wind is in our face will either cause us to rise up like an eagle or cause us to roll like a tumbleweed. How we respond to the wind. The wind is not the problem. The rain is not the problem. Jesus says, look, a wise man built his house upon the rock and the wind came. The same wind came to the guy who built his house on the sand. The wind wasn't the problem. The problem was how they responded to the wind. How they responded to the rain. It's how the foundation was set. And so today I'm going to help you understand that the problem is not the circumstance you're going through right now. The problem is us. The problem is us. So back before uh, cell phones were also cameras, uh, we used to have to take uh, our cameras, we used to take shots and we used to actually buy film. And you buy film, put in the camera, and you took, it, you took the film to the camera shop and you got your pictures back. And one thing I didn't realize, you know, uh, when I was really young was that they couldn't develop the film unless it was in a dark room. There are some things in our lives that cannot be developed except in the dark. There's some things in our lives that will not be developed unless we're in some dark places. And so as we get ready to just look at David and what he went through and how it applies to us, I want to talk about three things. I want to talk about five facts about valleys, three things to do when you go through valleys, and three things that you need to know about shadows. Five facts about valleys. So we're going to start with five facts about valleys. Number one, valleys are inevitable. Somebody said valleys are inevitable. Valleys are inevitable. Either you're in a valley right now, and I know so many of us are in a valley right now. Some of us are in a valley when it comes to our kids. Some of us are in a valley when it comes to our parents. Some of us are in a valley when it comes to our finances or emotions or mental state. Some of us are in a valley when it comes to our marriages and our relationships. There's a valley. In fact, for all, for all of us, we're going through this COVID. But you know what? Some of us feel like we're in a valley within a valley. That if, if it was dark already in the world, we're even in a darker place because we're going through a, a sub-valley within that valley. And it could be things to do with your job. It could be things to do with just your business. It could be things to do with just what's happening with with your kids and the struggles they're going through or or your parents and their health. And you you have so many things that are going on. Maybe you even uh, experience loss. Maybe there is some pressure that you're going through that you didn't expect at this time. Listen, valleys are inevitable. You're either in one right now, you just came out of one, or you're about to go in one right away. Because that's what valleys do. They're inevitable. John 16, And this is a promise from Jesus. It's not one of the promises I like. But it's a promise nonetheless. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. What does that mean? Trouble means difficulty and disappointment and discouragement. Trouble is about suffering and sorrow. And sickness. It's about frustration and failure and fatigue. In this world, you will have trouble. That's His promise. As long as we're in this world, we're going to have trouble. Why? Because this isn't heaven. We are here on earth. For a Christian, earth is the closest to hell we'll ever have. For a non-Christian, earth is is the closest to heaven they'll ever have. Hello. So, valleys are inevitable. Here's the other thing, valleys are unpredictable. You can't plan, you can't schedule, you don't put it on your calendar when the valley is coming. In fact, none of us knew this was going to happen. This All of us, You remember the beginning of the year when you had all your plans and all the things you were going to do for 2020, all these goals you set, all of a sudden march came and boom we didn't plan for this valley this valley came jeremiah 420 says disaster follows disaster in an instant my tents are destroyed my shelter falls in a moment man no plans you think about job Job was there minding his own business. He did not plan for the valley he went through. It just came upon him all of a sudden. David said, Hey, at one point, the Lord had me lying down in green pastures. He had me beside still waters. Then all of a sudden, yea, though I walk through the valley. When, when, when did that happen? Everything was so cool. He was leading me in His paths for righteousness, for His namesake. And then, boom, I'm in the valley. Valleys are inevitable and you can't plan them because they're unpredictable. Here's the other thing you need to know about valleys. Number three, valleys are impartial. Valleys are impartial. No one is immune to them. Everybody has problems. Good people, bad people, rich people, poor people. It don't really matter what status in life. Everybody has problems. In fact, you remember the first known person that I knew had COVID was Tom Hanks. You remember that? Tom Hanks and his wife. They had COVID. And then Prime Minister of England, he had COVID. And then the Prime Minister of Canada's wife, she had COVID. It's like, it don't really matter what status you are. When trouble comes, it doesn't choose who to hit. Everybody is in the valley. Everybody goes through valleys. And here's part of the problem. A lot of times, we're so focused on how people present themselves on social media. We think nobody's going through a valley except us. And we don't realize that what we're watching is their filtered life. They've got their filtered life showing us, man, the skin looks smooth. They look like they lost 20 pounds. All that, The filtered life. And so we're looking at their filtered life. We're comparing them to our real life. We're looking at their advertising compared to our brokenness. We're looking at their, you know, all the, the highlights from their life and we're comparing it to our bloopers and we're thinking, We're the only ones going through this. No, 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 no. Listen, uh, the valleys are impartial. It hits everybody. In fact, the Bible says this, that it rains on the just and the unjust. It don't really matter which status you're in. It's going to rain on you. Sometimes you're like, why me? Why? What's going on? Just realize it's happening to you because you're human, because you breathe, because this is not heaven, because life is tough, but God is good. Come on, can you say that with me? Life is tough, but God is good. Listen, I try to teach this to my kids because I want them to have a realistic expectation that this is earth, that we are going to have tough times, but God is always good in the middle of our tough. You see, there's always tough in good and good in tough. I I want you to hear this. There's always some tough in the good and some good in the tough. And a lot of times when we're going through the tough, we don't focus on the good. So we only see tough. No, 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 no. God has some good in the... There are some things that happen because of COVID. In the middle of COVID that I can celebrate. I'm not celebrating COVID, but I am seeing the goodness of God in the land of the living that regardless of where I am right now on earth, I can see God's hand on my life, in my circumstance, that it doesn't get so bad that I can't see Him. Can see him. Do you know how many people we are reaching right now through this streaming? And we would have never done it had we not been locked away from church. Man, I just saw a picture. Somebody from Japan is tuning in right now. They're saying, Hi from Japan. We would have never reached them had we not been locked in. I just had somebody say, Hey, do you have a WhatsApp number? Because I'm calling from the Caribbean. They want prayer. What's happening? We are reaching way beyond our boundaries. Why? Because there's some good in the tough. There's some good in the tough. Tell somebody you're sitting beside there's some good in the tough. He said, Pastor, I'm not at I'm not at church. I don't care, man. Even if you have to find a mirror and look at it, say there's some good in the tough. You tell yourself that. Amen. Here's the other thing you need to know about valleys. Number four, valleys are temporary. Somebody say amen to that. Valleys are temporary they end. They come to pass. They're not your permanent address. David said, Yea, though I walk through, through the valley of the shadow of death, there's always a season to it. I'm walking through it. I'm not stopping in it. I'm not living in it. I'm walking through it. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, Listen, valleys are temporary. This too shall come to pass. This too shall end. At some point... We will not be in this valley anymore. First Peter, Peter 1 verse 6 says, So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though it is necessary for you to endure many trials for how long? A while. A while. Listen, there's some joy ahead of you. There's some joy ahead of you. But you've got to endure some trials for a while. The Bible says that Jesus who for the joy set before Him endured the cross. Listen, all of us have to go through a cross before we get to the joy. There are some things we cannot experience if we don't go through the tough times. I'm telling you. There are some things on the other side of the valley that if we don't go through the valley, we'll never experience them. We will never experience... You know, they, all, they have this saying, there is no testimony without a test. Exactly. There are some things you have to go through in order to get the fullness of God and the fullness of His promises. You know, Peter is talking about heaven. He's saying that, there, there is a, that this joy that's up before us is heaven and that if you know Jesus, that's your destination he said you know what we've we've been going through this covid situation for 4 months now at 4 months in light of eternity is a short time he said well the problem i'm going through is not covid the problem i'm going through has been 5 years 5 years in light of eternity is a short time he said well you know what i've been dealing with this sickness for 30 years 30 years in light of eternity is a short time. Is a pastor. You, you just you you're not you're not seeing what I'm seeing. I said even if you've been going through this for eighty or ninety years and you have this problem for your entire life, God says that. Listen, this valley is still temporary. When you compare it to the glory that I have for you in heaven, when you join me, you're looking back at that and thinking that was a short time compared to what I'm experiencing now. In fact, Paul says it this way, Second Corinthians 4.17, he says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, oh my gosh, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He's saying, what you're dealing with now is light and momentary compared to the glory and the joy and the blessing you will have when you're with me. He said, I know you're in pain. I know that this is a struggle. I know that this is hurtful. But he says, at some point, it's like the Bible says like when a woman has a child, he says, the labor pains fade into the background when the joy of the child has come. There is a point at which you experience a joy that makes all the pain. Looked like it was worth it. And that it was light and momentary compared to the joy that you receive. Valleys are temporary. Well, here's where I want to camp out for a while. Is that valleys are purposeful. Say that with me. Valleys are purposeful. God has a reason for walking with you through this valley. God has a purpose for that valley in your life. Every time you walk through a valley, I want to let you know. God didn't cause the valley, but He'll use the valley for your purpose and for your good. Here's what, I'm going to read the rest of that verse in Peter. It says, 1 Peter 1, verse 6 to 7. So it says, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead even though it is necessary for you to endure many trials for a while. These trials are only to test your faith. To show that it is strong and pure. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. So if your faith remains strong after being tried by fiery trials, it will bring you much glory, much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Peter says, listen, if your faith can stand up through your valley, If you can keep holding on in the middle of your valley, if you can keep pressing through in the middle of your valley, there is a glory and a joy and a praise that's coming to you because you made it. Because you didn't give up. Because you didn't stop. Because you kept trusting. Because you kept pressing. I, I, I tell my kids all the time, I say, Listen, don't give up on a bad day. Do not quit on a bad day. Why? What am I saying to them? I'm saying, listen man, a bad day is not the time to throw in the towel. A bad day, you want to quit? Quit when everything's going well. Quit when things are good. Then you're making a choice. It's not based on emotion anymore. It's based based now on the will of God. But when you quit on a bad day, you have missed out on the glory and the praise and all that is coming to you because you kept holding on. Don't give up on a bad day. You cannot run through this valley. You got to walk. You cannot turn back. You got to walk through it. You cannot go around. You got to walk through it. God is working in you something that cannot be worked out unless you go through it. There is something like gold, even more precious than gold. Your faith is getting strong because you are pressing through this valley. The valley is what is shaping your maturity, your growth, and your faith. Don't give up in the middle of the valley. Don't give up. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on God. Faith is built in the valleys of life. And when everything is going fine and great, guess what? We we act like we don't need God. But when things get tough, we're like, God, where are you? See, every problem has a purpose. Every problem has a purpose, even the small ones. Even the annoying ones. Every problem has a purpose. And God is using them to develop faith and character in you. God wants to build your character because He is more interested in your character than in your comfort. I'm going to say that again. God is more interested in your character than in your comfort. I'm going to say it one more time. God is more interested in your character than He is in your comfort. And so many of us are trying to get to a place of comfort. And God is trying to get us to look like Jesus. And He can't get us to look like Jesus if all we're caring about is comfort. Do you know what it takes to have the character of Jesus? It takes betrayal and people talking about you and people rejecting you. It takes being accused. Listen, if it took that... And Jesus responding with a love and a forgiveness. And all, then what is it going to take for you? Listen, if you are going to show love, you've got to be in a place where things are unloving and unlovely. If you're going to show joy, you've got to be in a place where things are there to steal your joy, but you keep holding on. If you're going to show peace, you've got to be in a place where there's chaos and you don't understand what's going on. And God can test and see, do you have peace? You cannot grow these things in comfort. Hello. Amen. Sometimes the purpose of your problem isn't just about you either. You know, when I I was 17 years old when I got saved. And the beginning of that journey to salvation happened when I went to spend the summer in Canada with my cousins. And um, they went to a church. I I didn't go to church. We we grew up in a house that we didn't go to church except for funerals and weddings. That was it. And even most of the funerals and weddings we went to didn't even happen in church because we didn't know any church people. There are a couple people in my family who were church people, but my house, like my father built a wall around us against anything to do with church. And so, when I went to Canada, my cousins that went to church, you know, the family went to church. And we went to this church. And their church was fairly small. And the pastor stood up and he said, Does anyone here have a testimony? And it was one of those churches where you could stand up right where you are in the congregation and just share your testimony. So this guy stands up. And I'm sitting there watching. I'm 17 years old. This guy stands up. He's probably in his 50s. And he says this. He sounds like he just came back to church after months. And he says... I want to thank everyone here for praying for me. You know, as many of you know, my wife died two months ago. And, you know, I just want to thank God for His faithfulness and how much He's just kept me. And then last week, a lightning bolt hit my chimney and my chimney broke. And we don't really have the money to to fix it back. But God is faithful. and, And so He's going on. And He's telling about a whole lot of stuff that is just wrong in His life. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, how can he be thankful when everything's going wrong? And that was the first time. I am not a Christian. I am nowhere near Jesus at all. But that was the first time my eyes were open to thinking, hmm, there is something different about these people. How is it that somebody can be so thankful when everything seems so wrong in their lives? And that testimony pricked my heart to say, maybe there is something more to God than what I thought before. And I was open to the gospel because I heard a man testify about his valley. Sometimes your valley isn't even about you. I don't know the guy's name. I don't know. i never met the guy. But one day in heaven, I'm going to find him. And I'm going to say, you know what? Your testimony that day made such an impact on my life that not only did I get saved, but I became a pastor. I impacted thousands of lives. And you didn't even know that your testimony, your valley was a catalyst for me to impact life. God was using your problems... To bring out my purpose. I wonder if you hear me word of truth. Sometimes you're going through what you're going through because somebody else needs it. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Oh my God. Luke 22, Jesus says, Simon. He says, "This this is so good. Peter says, Lord, everyone may desert you, but I'll never desert you. And Jesus says, Simon, Simon, indeed. Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Now, what do you think, Satan? If Satan asks God to sift you as wheat, what would you want God's response to be? No. I mean, come on now. God tells me no sometimes when I ask, so if the devil is asking, why can't God just tell him, no, you can't touch this. Nah, 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 can't touch him. No, God didn't say that. Jesus said, I have prayed for you. Okay, so what kind of prayer you think Jesus would pray? Lord. Get him out of the way. God protect him so he wouldn't have to get sifted. Lord, shift him. Hallelujah. I feel a shift coming up. No, he didn't say that. He said, sift him. Go ahead, sift him. But Peter, here's what I prayed for you. That your faith should not fail. Why would you pray that my faith wouldn't fail when you could simply pray that I don't deal with it at all? Why would you pray that my faith would be made strong by something you could just stop from happening? Why, God, would you allow me to go through this and pray for my faith Instead of just praying for my circumstance, so I don't have to use my faith. So I can just be comfortable. So I can be okay. So I don't have to face issues of death. I don't have to face issues of loss. I don't have to face issues of grief. I don't. Why would you do that? He says, why, why, why? Here's why. Because one day you're going to return, Peter. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Peter, it's not just about you. It's not just about you. There's some brethren that need your testimony. And if you don't go through this, Peter, you won't be able to strengthen people who are going to need it one day. You cannot be the rock. You cannot be my church leader. You cannot be one of those. I'm going to entrust with the gospel if you don't go through some things. There's some people who are waiting on your testimony right now. You can't afford to give up. Listen, the question isn't why am I going through this? The question is why do I need to get through this? I need to get through this because I have a story that I want to tell one day. And the story can't be in the middle of my valley I gave up. That can't be the story I want to tell. The story I want to tell is God has been faithful even in my darkest times. Even in the toughest of tough. God was there. God was faithful. Can I tell you here's the things that happened to me since I walked through that pain. Since I walked through that problem. Since I walked through that stress. Since I walked through that. There are some things that couldn't have been worked out. To me. Listen some things I've went through I don't want to wish it on anybody else but I wouldn't take it away from my life because who I am today is because of some of the things I went through yesterday and now I'm able to strengthen my brethren because my faith held up through the valley My valleys are an important part of my story. Don't take them away. Don't diminish them. Don't minimize them. Don't try to circumvent them. They're a part of my life. It's not a problem to ask God what's going on. It's okay to ask questions of God. But it's not okay to question God. I can ask Him questions without questioning Him. I trust that He knows what He's doing, even though I don't understand. I've got to trust Him in the middle of my valley. I've got to depend on Him. Because God didn't cause the valley, but He certainly can use it. So the Bible says God is good and good. And God, uh, because He is good, evil cannot come from God. So I know God didn't cause it. But God can use this tragedy, this situation, this hurt, this pain. He can use it for my good. And so I'm not giving up in the middle of my valley. I'm going to press through. Hallelujah. Part two. Three things to do when you go through the valley. Listen, David says it clear. He says, I will fear no evil. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I will fear no evil. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So, what is he he saying? He said, first of all, I refuse to be discouraged. Come on, somebody said refuse. Refuse to be discouraged. He said, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. Will implies choice. Will implies a decision that I make. You see, if you're discouraged this morning, it's because you're choosing discouragement. Discouragement is a choice. Discouragement is a choice. How do I choose not to be discouraged? By focusing on God's power rather than your problem. Two people can be going through the same exact thing. And I'm telling you something. One of them can be happy, uh, uh, thankful, rejoicing in the Lord. The other one can be depressed, down, distressed. Why? Because one is focusing on the problem. The other one is focusing on God's power. So what kind of power? Here's what Colossians 1 verse 11 says. He says, We also pray that you will be strengthened with His glorious power. Watch this. So that you will have all the patience and endurance you need. This is really powerful. Because a lot of times, the power we want is the power to escape when God has given us the power to endure. Uh Uh-oh. Uh oh. I don't know. I don't know if you heard me. We want God's power for us to escape when God has given us his power for us to endure. We're looking for escape power. Oh my gosh. And when our expectation is based on ex- escape and God has given us endurance, what happens is it creates a gap because our experience is down here when our expectation was up here. We're looking for the escape. Translate me out of this valley right now. Be me up, Scotty. I'm ready to go. You see, our expectation is here and God says, uh-uh, I'm giving you power for you to endure. Endure. And we have this gap in between what our expectation is and what our experience is and we get discouraged when there is this gap we prayed and they didn't get healed we prayed and we didn't get provided for we prayed and things aren't reconciled as yet We prayed and the valley is still going. The storm is still raging. The problem is still present. But we prayed. And because we prayed, our expectation is God would help us to escape the problem. And God says, No, I've given you power to endure the problem. And what happens when there's a gap? When there's a gap between our expectation and our experience, we have to fill that gap with trust. We have to be able to say, God, I trust you even though I don't understand what's going on. I choose to trust you instead of getting discouraged. I choose to depend on you. I choose to follow you. I choose to wait on you. I choose to be patient even though this hurts like crazy. I choose to trust you. Hmm. When we accept that God is sovereign and that He can give you endurance so you can be a witness of His power, then you can refuse to be discouraged. I, I, like, I like what the Hebrew boys said when the king was going to throw them in the fire. They said this, Listen, king, we're not going to bow down because our God, I love this, our God is able to deliver us. But even if He doesn't, you know what the Hebrew boys were saying? I know God is able to do this, but the choice is His. I'll leave it up to Him. And if He doesn't, and if in His sovereignty, in His wisdom, He chooses not to deliver us from this fire, we trust in Him anyway. Oh my gosh. Job says, though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. What, is, what did he say? Uh, they're saying, it doesn't matter. I am going to trust God regardless of what my circumstances look like. That's the only way he can refuse to be discouraged. Here's the second thing he says. For you are with me. So refuse to be discouraged. Then remember that God is with me. God not only promises His power in the valley. He promises His presence in the valley. You will never have to go through a valley by yourself. God says, I am with you. And sometimes when you're not sure if my power is working, I want you to focus on my presence even if you don't feel my power. Focus on my presence even if you don't feel my power. Why? Because my being is more important than my doing. Mm. Listen, my being with you is more than my power doing for you. I want you to understand that God's presence is more important than anything else. Moses said, God, I'm not taking these children of Israel across no desert unless you come with us. I need your presence. I'm not doing it without your presence. I'm not doing it without your presence, Lord. Isaiah 43, 2 says, When you go through the deep waters, and you go through the fire, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fires of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. You see, in verse 4 when uh, of, of Psalm 23, when David starts talking about the valley, his language changes. He stops talking about the lord and starts talking to the lord he stops talking about hey the lord is my shepherd and he makes me and he does this and he does that To, you are with me your rod and your staff they call you see all of a sudden there's a switch in language why because in the valley is where you get intimate with the lord In the valleys where we're not talking about you anymore, God. We're talking right to you right now. Because guess what? It's not enough to know about you anymore. Now I got to get in your face. Because in this dark time, I need you. I need you. You are with me. Your rod and your staff. It's in the valley that I ought to become intimate with the Lord. The valley is trying to separate you from God. You've got to press into God in the valley. When I'm going through the valley, it's not enough to talk about Him. i got to talk to Him. Here's the third thing about your response. Rely on God's protection and guidance. Rely on His protection and, gu- and guidance. He says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, Psalm 34:19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers Him out of them all. Many are the afflictions. That's not a promise again. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. Whoever told you that once you became a Christian, you wouldn't have problems, is a liar. Praise the Lord. And if it was me, I apologize and I repent right now. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Here's the good part. But the Lord delivers. You see, the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous is that the unrighteous don't get delivered. It's not the afflictions. It's who is with them. Who is with you when you're in your valley? God says, the rod and the staff comfort. The rod and the staff comfort. The rod and the staff were two basic tools that a shepherd used to protect and guide the sheep. The rod was basically a two-foot pole with a big knot on the end. And what would happen is that when the enemy came in like a wolf or a lion or something, he would throw that rod and the knot would hit him and, and hurt him and he would have to scamp away. But here's the thing, the sheep didn't even see the wolf coming because in the darkness, sheep already have bad eyesight. So in the dark, guess what? They can't even see the enemy. You don't even know what God is protecting you from in your valley. You don't even know the things that He has been doing for you in your valley. He says, I'm going to protect you. Not yet. Hold on one second. I'm coming. I'm coming. Almost there. I'm almost there. Help me up. Help me, Lord. Help me run through this. In Jesus' name. Listen, he says, I'm fighting for you. I'm protecting you. Then his staff. What's the staff? The staff is this long stick with a crook on the end like little bull sheep. Now what would happen is that if the sheep start to go astray, the, the shepherd would hook the sheep and pull them back on track. Because in the dark, we have a tendency of going astray because we don't know what God is doing. In the dark, we make some decisions that are wrong because our emotions get... To, and here's God's, God, God's responsibility to pull us back on track. To pull us back on track. Here's the last thing. Here's the last, last part. Three truths about shadows. Three tr- truths about shadows. And we're going to close with this. Shadows are always bigger than the reality. Shadows are always bigger than the reality. Man, if I watch my shadow up here on stage, I'd be taller than Pastor Polo. Can I tell you something? Shadows are always bigger than the reality. Amen? Amen. Because your fear is actually bigger than the problem. The fear you're feeling right now is bigger than the problem you're actually facing. Here's the second thing about truth, second truth about shadows. Shadows can't hurt you. Their image without substance. He says, yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Not death. But the shadow of death. Because shadow cannot hurt you. But here's the last thing. And this is what we'll close with. There is no shadow without a light somewhere. There is no shadow without a light somewhere. If you could sit the stage behind me right now, there are shadows all over the back of the stage because there are all these lights in front of me hitting me. There's just shadows behind me. Why? Because there's no shadow without light somewhere. So what does that mean for us? It means don't focus on the shadow. Focus on the light. Look for the light. Look for the light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. So when you're walking through the valley, look at the light. There's an old song that says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Hallelujah. For some of us, the valley we're going through right now, we've got to make a choice. We've got to choose to turn our eyes on Jesus. We've got to choose to look to Him And recognize that your valley doesn't define you. The shadows don't define you. These things will grow strangely dim in light of His glory and grace if you would focus on Him. There's always some good in the tough, but you got to look for it. There's always some light in the shadow, but you got to look for it. You got to look for it. You got to look for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me. I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Christians have disappointments. Christians get sick. Christians experience tragedies. Christians lose lose loved ones. They have financial problems. They have family problems. Believers go through valleys just like everybody else. But there's a difference. And it's a big, 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 big difference. The difference is that while believers and non-believers go through the same kinds of valleys of life, the Christian is not alone. It's not the absence of the shadow that makes a Christian different. But it's the presence of the shepherd. And this morning... You may be someone who you don't have the shepherd with you. And you're going through a valley right now and you feel like you're all alone because Jesus, you don't sense, you don't know that God is with you. You feel like you're facing this by yourself. You need to ask Jesus to come into your heart. And I want to pray with you right now. Or maybe you're someone who you used to be so close to the shepherd, but in a valley of some sort, you got thrown off, you got separated, you feel like something cut that relationship, thwarted that re- maybe it was the disappointment that God didn't do what you expected him to do.